0: Well, folks, good afternoon. Right now, it is 107, 107 on this uh, Wednesday, December 7th, and you're listening to the John DiPietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Folks, this portion of the program is brought to you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln, Great meal, lunch right now is waiting for you at the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln, right off of 146. I want to go to, um, we have a lot of sound to get to this hour, obviously the latest now with the Statehouse situation. But I want to, Tucker Carlson did a good piece last night, I thought, on the whole situation with the Twitter file. And I think he's done a good job uncovering this. I want to play a little bit. This is Tucker Carlson last night, the latest now. On this uh, the Twitter files, here we go. It's
1: Friday night with the release of those previously undisclosed documents from Twitter. It's not that it's social media companies censor conservatives. Obviously, we knew that. No one's surprised to have it confirmed. No one denied it in the first place. No, what we learned on Friday is that big tech works aggressively and in secret with government agencies to subvert the outcome of what the rest of us assumed were free and fair elections. During the 2020 election, Twitter did this with the help of the FBI, committing censorship on behalf of one candidate while working to hurt the other candidate. It is hard to imagine a more brazen attack on our democracy than this. This is not how our system is supposed to work. In fact, it's illegal. What Twitter did is a violation of the First Amendment, as well as of established campaign finance law that ever declared those contributions to the Biden campaign. That's a crime. Thanks to the reporting of Matt Taibbi, who received access to these documents from Twitter's new owner, Elon Musk, we know that this happened. It's not a conspiracy theory, it's a fact. But you wouldn't know it happened if you got your news from legacy media outlets in the U.S. In the days since Taibbi's jaw-dropping scoops... None of them have followed up on the story, as they dismiss the story as entirely normal. Of course, the FBI was working secretly with Twitter in the Biden campaign to control your brain by limiting your access to factual information. That's how elections work. Or they're attacking Matt Taibbi personally for daring to write the story. So the same people who spent weeks defending billionaire con artist Sam Bankman-Fried, who as of tonight you'll be happy to know was still in the Bahamas, unindicted, those same people are telling you that the real criminal here is the guy who's uncovering illegal censorship in a presidential campaign. Mm -hmm. It's hard to believe they're saying that. Oh, but they are. Here's a selection.
2: Elon Musk retweeted the quote-unquote Twitter files, a collection of documents that detail how the social media platform supposedly buried a story about a Ukrainian energy company paying money to the president's son Hunter Biden. First of all, I just have to say that this whole thing is just ridiculous and it's not true. It was amazing
1: to me that all of these sort of Fox News, or whoever else jumped on this without ever fully understanding
3: that it was basically meaningless what happened. And it actually turned out to be a good thing. Well,
0: scenes fixated
3: on a two-year-old story about Hunter Biden's laptop. This is what we in the cable business like to call a hot take, and it reveals Elon Musk's profound ignorance of the First Amendment.
2: We now know. It was a really helpful thing, actually, the Twitter files today, because we got to see how content moderation works. We got to see how when a group of people with differing political ideas and ideologies and views gets together in the spirit of making a platform safe and healthy...
1: There's just so much there. Al Sharpton teaming up with the former George W. Bush aide to tell you censorship is good. The first lady saying, this Ukrainian company allegedly paid Hunter Biden when there's no allegedly about it. Everyone involved has already admitted it. And then best of all, Ali Velshi. We in the cable business. Ali Velshi has never been in the news business. People in the news business cover the news. Propagandists censor and distort the news. And that's what you're watching there. Thankfully, as always, their propaganda is crude and not very effective, mostly because it's so unbelievably not believable. Censorship, explains Brandy Zed Drosny, like a slightly annoyed kindergarten teacher, censorship is called content moderation. When we hide facts from you that you need in order to cast an informed vote in a presidential election, that's, quote, safe and healthy. Hiding facts from you is safe and healthy. Is there anyone who actually believes that? Well, judging by NBC's tanking ratings, not many people actually do believe that. But they're saying it anyway. Here's Michael Steele of MSNBC, the former RNC chairman, by the way, letting you know that actually revealing the mechanics of censorship is itself an attack on free speech.
3: Putting those things back on the platform... Uh, in juxtaposition with the argument that he's all about free speech um, really undermines the central, some of the central tenets of free speech is that it is, it is about, yes, the freedom of you to say things, but not at the harm or expense of someone else. And so when you're perpetuating lies and, and, and so forth, um, you're really kind of laughing in the face of this idea of what the platform he claims is supposed to be.
2: So
1: any day you get to see Michael Steele misuse the words juxtaposition, obviously it's a good day. But the payoff really was his little lecture on constitutional law. The essential tenet of free speech, Michael Steele just told you, the essential tenet is that you as an American citizen are never allowed to say things that other people object to. Okay, Michael Steele. If you get a chance, let us know what constitution you've been reading. The one that we have here in the U.S. is pretty clear. In the United States, you get to say as an American citizen what you believe, period. And under no circumstances ever may the government infringe on that right, period. Again, that's the First Amendment. And thanks to the Twitter files revealed on Friday night, we know the First Amendment has been violated more profoundly than at any time in our lives. Miranda Devine of the New York Post has just reported the FBI met, quote, weekly with Twitter executives in the months before the 2020 election. And in those meetings, the FBI specifically warned about hack and leak operations by state actors that would involve Hunter Biden and would, quote, likely come out in October. Oh, we know that because it appeared in a sworn deposition from Twitter's former chief censor, Yoel Roth, signed in 2020. The main thing that we learned-
0: now, of, that, that is friend, really amazing right seven there. Seven and again, I want to give them credit. That is Tucker Carlson breaking down, I think, really effectively the whole situation with the Twitter files. Now, I do want to touch on the situation that I can't believe what they're saying about the Rhode Island State House. The chief concern is lack of couples shelter options couple shelter options, as if that, that that's, like, how, how much are, are we supposed to go along with this whole thing? As I said, whatever happened to beggars can't be choosers. But I do want to follow up the situation in Georgia. That was a bad loss. Herschel Walker, as I've said, I don't care what anyone says. I don't think he was a great candidate. Um, it was proven that and the campaign just went off the rails. It was a winnable seat. This is not a matter of, you know, well, you know, the, the rigged election and mail. No, not so fast. Brian Kemp is the governor and you have a Republican secretary of state and Georgia has been incredibly scrutinized with their elections, So I don't I I don't see that, but I want to go to um, I, I mean there's just there's nothing good about the fact that now the Democrats control the Senate. So this is the piece that we had this morning on Good Morning America. An election
2: cycle, and this it was, was the final battle. Democratic Senator Raphael Warnock fending off a challenge from Republican Herschel Walker in a race that was bitter and contentious until the very end. After a hard-fought campaign, yeah. you got me for six more years.
0: Oh.
2: <laughs> Overnight, Democrats clinching a major victory. Senator Raphael Warnock defeating his Republican challenger, Herschel Walker.
4: The people
1: have spoken. Wow.
2: The pastor-turned-politician surviving his second runoff election, handing Democrats an outright majority in the Senate. Voters turned out in record numbers, 3.5 million votes cast. But Walker underperformed this time around, getting less support than he did in November.
3: I'm not gonna make any excuses now
4: because we put up one heck of a fight.
2: The former football star spent much of his campaign fending off one scandal after another. Accused of domestic violence, of lying about his resume, failing to publicly acknowledge several children, and paying for two women to have abortions, which he denies. That turns some voters like Kirk Watkins away. He voted for Republican Governor Brian Kemp but did not support Walker. He has no policies, and he's um, hand-selected
0: by Trump.
2: Warnock, who made history as the state's first black senator, insisting Georgia sent a clear message to the country, reflecting on his path to the nation's capital. I want to
4: say thank you to my mother. She grew up picking somebody else's cotton, but tonight she helped pick her youngest son to be a United States.
2: This now caps off a string of disappointing midterm losses for the Republican Party. Herschel Walker now joining a long list of candidates that were backed by former President Donald Trump that lost this election. As for Democrats, they say this now proves that Georgia, a state that was once considered reliably red, is now in play. Warnock was able to win here by one of the largest margins for Democrats in
0: decades. Oh, so good morning. You know that is, um, and folks, I, I I hope that at 1:17, good afternoon. You're listening to the John DiPietro show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. This comes back to, I I, I want, people need to understand. Elections need to play out. And for instance, in Pennsylvania, Dave McCormick could have won. He could have, I believe he could have won and beaten Fetterman. But he was knocked out because Sean Hannity, and President Trump went all in for Dr. Oz. And McCormick lost in a very close election to Dr. Oz. But Oz turned out not to be a great candidate. Fetterman was very beatable. And in, in this election, where they just choose, it's going to be Herschel Walker. Well, you got to let the process play out. And I know people are going to ignore that. Because I already have people saying, well, I'm going with I'm going with DeSantis. You haven't even heard him on, on a stage yet. You have no idea how he compares to the rest. There's a huge difference between how they act, when in fact there are, when they're, you know, just in their own world, and when they have to get up there with some of their opponents. Now, pivoting back locally, I'm going to play the Channel Ten piece. Brian Crandall has actually done a good job. Regarding this um, situation that Governor McKee is now forcing a showdown. I can't believe the members of the media that just put, oh, well, the problem is a lot of people, they, at a shelter, they're going to break up the couples. As if any anyone anyone real, you, you are being offered. See, look, look at what you have then. You have people like, we'll just be homeless together. So you mean to tell me those two individuals can't afford a studio apartment somewhere? Or do they not want to pay for a studio apartment somewhere? It, it's not, well, we, we don't want to be seven, and I, I understand that. They're adults. But so two people, both working, can't afford a small studio apartment. Well, if they both work two jobs, They'd have their own place and they wouldn't be up at the State House. Folks, this portion of the program brought to you by Propane Plus Heating and Cooling. Call Propane Plus today, 401 885 4209. Call Propane Plus for all your heating and cooling in Massachusetts, 508 252 3359. Propane Plus, three generations. They're available 24-7 for service and delivery, online billing. Schedule your service to delivery at the click of a button. You can depend on Propane Plus. Call them today, 401-885-4209 or in Massachusetts, 508-252-3359 for Propane Plus. Here is the Channel 10 piece regarding the homeless situation now. I like their Breaking news. 48-hour notice for homeless encampment at the State House.
4: Here we go. Letter to leave people living in tents outside the state house told by state officials to vacate by the end of the week now the decision to remove the homeless encampment comes as the governor's office is looking to set up a 24-7 warming station for those people in the coming weeks NBC 10's Cal Demowski is live at the state house Cal what are you hearing from the people there
3: Yeah, good afternoon, Barb. I'm hearing that many people are just worried about what comes next for them after the state came down with this letter today. Take a look at this, though. Just some of the tents that have been lined up here outside of the plaza. We've seen cars and vans actually pull up today to get some of those folks living in those tents out of the rain. Now, as for that letter, people living in the tents told us unidentified workers came by this morning and gave it to them. The paper states that the homeless have until Friday morning at 9 a.m. to vacate the statehouse grounds. Now it does note that they'll get an emergency bed emergency bed at a shelter with transportation there, provided. They're also going to get boxes to hold their belongings here at the State House for up to 30 days. One woman we spoke with who's lived here for three months says that the- says that the shelter though isn't an option for her because she doesn't do well in crowded settings.
4: Where am I gonna go? What am I gonna do next? Um,
2: my couch surfing is ran out pretty much i guess
3: well, that's and the state is currently trying to set up a 24-7 warming station at the Cranston Street Armory. I'm told it needs approval from another board before the McKee administration looks into hiring service providers to run that site. Now, Barb, we mentioned that letter earlier. I was looking at some of the fine print of it. If people fail to vacate the statehouse grounds, they could be subject to a fine or an arrest. We're working to learn about more details when it comes to the Cranston Street Armory. We'll get you those updates on turnto10.com and live on the air. For now, though, live in Providence, Calder. Kowalski,
0: nice Cal. job. Very nice job there, Cal. So, folks, that's the Channel 10 report. Unhoused people camping ordered to vacate 48 hours. So that's how they are treating the story. Now let's go to their competitor, who would be Channel 12. Homeless individuals evicted from Rhode Island Statehouse grounds. Not sure if that's fully accurate, but, again, Adriana Rosa Rivera is the reporter here. Governor McKee's office is banned camping, according to a spokesperson. Actually, they're just going to start to enforce it, is what they're going to do. All right, let's hear. It. This is the Channel 12 piece. Ooh, breaking news here.
2: 12 News Now, I'm Adriana Roses Rivera. Homeless individuals camping outside Rhode Island's Statehouse have been ordered to leave within 48 hours. Governor Dan McKee's office tells us they're working to set up the individuals in shelters and have notified all of them that they will be removed. Now, the administration also said camping and overnight sleeping on Statehouse grounds is banned. Nowhere yet on where exactly these individuals will be taken. We're tracking the story on WPRI.com and on 12 News. Madriana Roses Rivera, 12 News
0: Now. Surprised that they didn't have more of a uh piece on it. Channel 10 certainly seemed to have a little bit more of a piece on it. I see I don't channel six has oh, I think they I don't know if they just have sound. Yeah. Oh, do they have any sound here? Let me see if uh ABC six. No sound. They just show people camping at the Statehouse. (laughs) How about just a quick voiceover? No? No? So my question is, again, folks, you can go to dipetro.com. This is, what this really is, is McKee's revenge. Governor McKee is going after them for crashing the treehouse lighting. But I can't, look at the way the media is treating it. For instance, Pork Boy's producer Monitoring the situation of the state house. The chief concern is lack of couple shelter options. So two adults, both working two jobs, can't afford a studio apartment. They, they can't rent space in a basement or rent space in a garage. Two adults, two adults working have no other option other than to sleep outside in in a tent on the Rhode Island State House. That, 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 those are what they consider to be their options. A a tent on Smith Hill. Um, I, that, that makes, I, I don't believe that. But notice, like, that, that part's not even explored. Like, what, what are the, where do you go before that becomes, that's our option? Two adults. that that i find that hard to believe actually impossible to believe and we want a free ride so that that's that's what they believe their best option is two adults working yeah i actually used the 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 w word working uh oh Trump's lawyers found items with classified markings at his storage unit in Florida and turned them over to the FBI. How much more of this is going to go on? <laughs> Who's going through those documents? Is it that, whatever that. Hmm. Laura Ingram, very upset at Senate Republicans. I don't blame her. Let me, I want to hear that. I, I but you know let's let's go where, where the blame is. I wanna um I think I have some of this sound. What time is it? 128. Folks, good afternoon. You're listening to the John DePietro show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Uh oh, okay, let me hear this. All right.
4: Um we have more. All right, we're not going to more. We're gonna to go to Molly Hemming script in front of me, Molly Hemingway, and of course, uh, Kellyanne Conway. Molly, you and I talked about this about a week ago. We felt this coming. To me, it never felt like the Senate Republicans wanted this guy in office. He was a Trump pick. They didn't like that. They probably like him as a person, uh, Herschel as a person. But there wasn't the intensity on the part of the Republicans as there was on the part of the Democrats. I felt it. You felt it. But we don't change anything. We have the same people in place in leadership, same people in place apparently at the RNC. That's not, perhaps that's not changing. We just keep doing the same thing over and over again. I'm pissed tonight, frankly. Go ahead. Yeah, it's
2: really offensive. I'm mad. For Republican voters, for Republican donors who have put so much into having some wins. And they just see kind of failure across the board. There aren't people who are working on early voting or banking ballots. There's no clear Messaging. I mean, you look at what happened since the midterm elections, where you had a Senate that basically responded to those disappointing midterm losses by doing nothing other than sabotaging their own base. What is the case for voting Republican for the Senate after these midterms? I don't think one was even attempted to be made, and yet yeah, nothing seems to be changing. But you didn't see a lot of enthusiasm down there of course the spending was completely yeah it was just look at how close it was though i mean I, man, what did we say
4: this was winnable kelly and i know you, yeah. Yeah. you, you want Ronald change you want ron mcdaniel i like ron mcdaniel isn't this like a, a warning sign flashing or are yeah. we just going to keep doing the same thing all over again every 51 single time he won the house. Yes, he did, and we were outspent three to one here. Why? No excuse. There's no excuse in Georgia for us not to have done what Brian Kemp did. Yes, he's the incumbent governor. He's very popular. He's running against Stacey Abrams.
0: But he turned
4: out over his micro-targeting plan, his grassroots people, and I guess Mitch McConnell's group funded it. But they did that in the last couple of days. Funded it have done it? Four have he, weeks the, ago. Did Mitch McConnell down there, guys?
0: You know, I um. She's not wrong, Laura Ingram, folks. This is her from last night. Let me hear a little bit more, um, again, with Kellyanne Conway. I don't blame her. So don't we are all Laura Ingram tonight today.
4: Early. We're going to keep voting. I mean, it's not what we did. We didn't do it in 2020 because everyone said don't vote early because that's not everyone. So, well, yes, so uh, well big, a lot of people did people at the very top of the Republican yes, Party. Big you big didn't. People did. But, Molly, and Mitch McConnell we, did we give did. $11 million to the effort that's 14 million to the effort in georgia but where was the all hands on deck yet lindsey graham yeah. he was there he did a lot every senator should have been there every female senator so, should have but been there. why i'm going to ask the question tonight nobody wants to talk about this why weren't they down there we hmm. don't bank ballots are-
0: i don't know <sighs> folks good afternoon you're listening to the john DePetro show it's am 1380 and 99.9 fm that's an interesting story the journal has. Westerly schools fired substitute teacher over political views in January 6th visit. Hmm. So there's a lawsuit. I'll follow that. Um, how about the story about Brown University investigating a trespasser was in a residence hall. He didn't belong there, he just went in and took up space. And then someone called and chased. isn't that what's going on at the border? How long a man may have been, quote, occupying space in a residence hall basement. He was arrested and charged with trespassing. Campus police officer Chase apprehended the man in his 20s. about a suspicious person in the building determined the man was unknown to students, did not have permission to be in the residence hall. It was occupying space in the building unlawfully. He was charged with breaking and entry and willful trespass. His name was not released. The arrest marked the beginning. It was now a deeper investigation focused on how long he may have been present in and how he entered the building. Evidence indicates he may have been occupying a space in the basement of the residence hall. Well, they're trying to determine if additional charges are warranted. Huh. So you mean someone who just decides to trespass and come in somewhere is not that that's not allowed? And as a result of that he was then apprehended and arrested? Sounds like our situation at the southern border. Folks at 133, I'm going to get to the Mike Pompeo thing. I don't believe nothing's going to be decided with this situation in the state house today but what I also want to mention to Dan McGowan where I believe okay, where the, the McKee people they, they need to counter counter many of the claims being made by a lot of the homeless quote advocates. I'm looking at a tweet right now the number of unhoused folks Rhode Island has exploded. everything's because of the pandemic. pandemic. evicting people from public land forcing them into shelters they can't use while giving tax break to developers. We need housing for all. Yeah, they want free housing. That's the party for socialism and liberation. As I have stated, this is not about homeless. This is about people. <laughs> like someone put that it's evil what's going on evil this is about people that are demanding free housing that's what it's about I'm also seeing 48 hours need to prepare to defend them see now the advocates are jumping in can't go anywhere nope no one should leave um we may have found a lawyer who may be interested. Someone could email a copy of the eviction order. Work with the community that hosts homeless shelters. Work with those employed late at night. Humanity deserves better. <laughs> uh, um, how about, you know, Maybe we could offer them a job. No, no. How dare you mention a job? Yeah, but the 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 job is is what they would be paid into, um, you know, keep them off the street, right? I mean, that's what it would be. So but why, why can't we ask, or well, we're not supposed to ask, people get upset if we ask, about whether or not they're actually employed. Why, why is that like off the table? So two adults, we, we don't want to be separated in a shelter. Are you married? No. Two men, two men would be fine. Male, female, no, we, we don't allow that. Men go over in this side of the shelter, women are on that side of the shelter. So two adults that are both, now, unless they have a drug problem, but two adults working, maybe both, maybe two jobs, pooling their money together. They can't afford a studio apartment. What about folks at 137? What if they, now you have two people. So someone must know someone and say, here's what we'd like to do. We'd like to convert your garage into a studio and we're going to pay you $200 a month. Something like that. We just need to sleep there during the day. We're going to go to work, we're going to join Planet Fitness at 10 bucks a month, we'll shower there, and then we're busy working, and we're going to save our money. What, how, so that, that's off the table, that can't work, this whole business of two people working, can't afford a studio apartment, or, okay, we found someone. And we're going to rent out their basement. And it's not great, but they have a a shower and facility, a toilet we can use. And that's where we're going to work for the next few months. We're going to keep our stuff there. We're really just going to sleep there. And so therefore, but we need a place inside. And there's two of us and we both work. So we'll pay you. Four hundred cash a month, if we can stay in your basement. I mean, I is is that even explored? Can we mention that? What's missing from the equation? What's missing from the equation? Uh, the um, equation is is the fact that there's there's no mention. Of no mention of uh, any type of employment that's tied into it. I mean that's that's really what's what's going on because otherwise let's let's be realistic about it, especially when you're talking about a couple situation. Now this man whose wife is in a wheelchair, I, I don't know what to I don't know enough about their situation. but if you have two adults, we don't want to be separated. We don't want to go to a shelter. Because there's two of us, and therefore, um, you know, we, we want to be treated like adults, but somehow, like, are those options played out? Two, especially if it's two people. So we're going to combine our resources. So I'm also learning there is, in fact, a two o'clock press conference. Of these people, <laughs> I don't know exactly what's going to happen with that, but a two o'clock press conference is going to be held to by who by housing advocates, I would imagine. Now, I would think they're going to knock the governor's idea and the, the governor's Governor McKee's proposal, because as I have stated, this is not about shelter. They are demanding free housing. They'll take, as they as they said, as I, you can go to dipetro.com. I posted the video on it. They freely will say, you know, we'll, we'll take hotel vouchers or where's all the COVID money? They they want the money. I think they, they even like the inclement weather and the rain. But they're, they're not, this is being approached in a manner of these people just need a place to crash for the night. When in reality, that's that's actually not what's going on. But no one wants to flesh that out a little bit or just come out and say it. What's really going on is the two sides. Now, what's also, I disagree with some of the headlines, is this business of the fact that it's not that they're a victim, it's they're going to start to enforce the, the rule and the law that you're not supposed to be camping out there. I'm not going to revisit again that the governor, they never should have allowed that. They never should have allowed them to start camping out in the first place. I think that's a big I know that that's a big part of it. All right, it's 141. i I'm going to read the Mike Pompeo thing momentarily. Folks, this portion of the John DiPietro Show, now I want to remind you, in case of an emergency, go to AtMed Urgent Care. You've heard, I believe, AtMed Urgent Care. In Rhode Island, they're telling us don't go to the emergency rooms. AtMed Urgent Care, two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue in Johnston, and also that's right in the Atwood Medical Center and also in East Greenwich, 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich, right across from Felicia's Med Urgent Care. Urgent care facility providing comprehensive outpatient health care to individuals and families. They specialize in ambulatory medicine. They provide immunization, school and sports physicals. Med Urgent Care. Now, it is flu season. So with flu season, uh, you can get your flu shot there. That's a big part of it. Now, they also, at At AtMed Urgent Care, many times right now, there are people turned away if they're in auto accidents, believe it or not. And at At AtMed Urgent Care, you can take someone there if they're in an auto accident, Cost-efficient healthcare alternative, hospital-based emergencies, Med Urgent Care, walk-in routine urgent care, minor surgical, orthopedic and trauma, work-related injuries, drug, drug testing. And on top of that, remember, work-related injuries right now at 143 on this Wednesday. If maybe someone you work with. Gets injured. Bring them to at med urgent care. Two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue in Johnston, right in the Atwood Medical Center and 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich at med urgent care. Folks, good afternoon. You're listening to the John DePietro show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Now I mentioned I want to just um, read this piece. I think it's an interesting maneuver by Mike Pompeo. So right now, different people are looking at (laughs) I like this. Uh, Jim Crow 2.0 dies again in Georgia. Herschel Walker's loss is Donald Trump's final 2022 gift to the GOP. That's from the Wall Street Journal. I'll read both editorials, actually. Let me read that one first. Uh, Whatever happened to Jim Crow 2.0? That was President Biden's slander against Georgia's new voting law. Yet Democrat Senator Ralph Warnock won a solid runoff victory Tuesday in a six-year term. Turnout that was hardly muted. Don't expect any apologies. Warnock saying his win only proves Georgians can vote, beat voter suppression. So it's an unfalsified claim. That's exactly right. Jim Crow, 2.0. Herschel Walker lost by nearly three points as of the latest data after trailing November 8th by only one point. There's no excuses in life. He conceded, and I'm not going to make any excuses now because we put up one heck of a fight. Good for him, especially since Donald Trump will probably have enough bad excuses to go around. Now, this is Wall Street Journal, folks. Don't kill the messenger here. Trump helped to clear the GOP primary field for Walker. Wouldn't it be fantastic if the legendary Herschel Walker ran for U.S. Senate in Georgia, he said, in March of 2021? He would be unstoppable. Walker had no serious primary opposition, but he was unvetted, inexperienced. Democrat dug up and loaded truckloads of unflattering personal history. Trump is now 0-3 in Georgia Senate races, counting the two 2021 runoffs that he sabotaged, plus Walker's loss. The former president went ballistic this summer after Mitch McConnell said candidate quality matters. But the GOP Senate leader was obviously right and vindicated on Election Day. A 51-49 Senate will make life far easier for Democrats over the next two years. No single Democrat will be able to block a Biden nominee. Democrats will now have a majority on every committee. Republicans will have one more seat to overcome as they try to retake the Senate. Some Republicans are blaming GOP failures in mail and early voting. And as long as that's the law, the GOP will have to play by those rules. Early and mail votes. Voters in the Georgia runoff were 52% registered Democrats to 39% Republicans. That's a huge deficit to make up on election day, especially if it rains. But mail voting weaknesses didn't stop Georgia Governor Brian Kemp from winning re-election November 8th by 7.5 percentage points. And organizing failures shouldn't obscure that the biggest lesson of the 2022 midterms is Mr. Trump picks losers. Republicans clearly could have regained the Senate this year, but Trump's endorsed candidate lost in almost every swing state. J.D. Vance won Ohio, but only with the help of 32 million in media advertising from a super PAC tied to McConnell. Now, this is the Wall Street Journal. The evidence is overwhelming over the last three election cycles that Mr. Trump and the crazy parts of the suburban voters divide the GOP. Denying that is denying reality will guarantee more needless Republican losses in 2024. Now, those that are 100% Trump will not pay attention to that. But here's the part. Mike Pompeo, the name of this piece is Who's Afraid of Randy Weingarten? Not Mike Pompeo, who calls the teacher union head dangerous but has challenged her to a debate. If former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo is serious about seeking the Republican nomination for president 2024, and about making education reform his signature issue, it's hard to think of a better fight to pick than the one he's chosen with Randy Weingarten. President of American Federation of Teachers, her union, AFT, they control Providence, they control, uh, I believe, Woonsocket, they control Pawtucket, Warwick. Weingarten is the face of public education, the U.S. dominant force in Democrat politics. The AFT, along with the NEA and their thousands of state and local affiliates, have for decades maintained a vice grip on traditional public schools that educate more than 80% of K-12 students. During the pandemic, the AFT shaped the guidelines used by the CDC to slow the full reopening of schools. Teachers unions leveraged the COVID crisis to demand higher pay and better benefits for their members. In Los Angeles, where the Los Angeles Times reported before the pandemic, only 42% of students could read at grade level. Math proficiency was only 32%. The local teachers unions requested free child care for its members as a condition for return to the classroom. Combined, the AFT and NEA spent more than $40 million to elect democrats in 2020 including governor McKee. 3 months after taking office biden repaid them by signing covid relief legislation that allocated ready for this 123 billion for public schools without any requirement that districts reopen for in-person instruction so in an interview last month pompeo described wine garden and the public education establishment as a threat to the country. I tell the story. Often I get asked, listen to this, folks. At 1.50 on this Wednesday, if you listen to anything, it says, who's the most dangerous person in the world, said Pompeo, who served as director of the CIA for becoming the nation's top diplomat under Donald Trump. The most dangerous person in the world is Randy Weingarten. It's not a close call. If you ask who's the most likely to take this republic down, it'd be the teachers' union and the filth they're teaching our kids and the fact they don't know math and reading or writing. Weingarten responded by deflecting. What he's doing is making it harder for teachers all across America to teach kids, to bring parents and teachers together. He knows better, but he's doing this to try to win a Republican primary, and he's hurting kids. Last week... Pompeo doubled down, challenged Weingarten to public debate. Her personal venom evidences as an unwillingness to defend what she wrought on our children and our nation. Pompeo wrote New York Post op-ed, I'm prepared to debate her and present to the American people my case for the risk she presents to our republic and the nation's future. So far, Weingarten has declined his offer. She's called him childish, petty, spiteful, bully boy. This response is beneath Weingarten, who ought to reconsider. Pompeo graduated first in his class from West Point, knows Jack Reed, and earned a law degree from Harvard. He's certainly capable of having a back and forth with her about education reform, and to be a public service besides. If Weingarten doesn't have the courage of her conviction, maybe she could muster the courage of her legendary predecessor, Albert Shanker. Shanker led the AFT from 1974 to 1997, was invited to debate, school choice, on William Buckley's PBS program Firing Line 1986. He gamely accepted. And with all due respect to Pompeo, he faced a much tougher opponent than Weingarten would likely encounter. The lively two-hour event was hosted by the University of California, Davis, moderated by a graduate school dean. In addition to the TV audience, more than 1,000 people watched in person. Shaker's debate partners were Paul Starr, a sociologist at Princeton, and Bill Hong, a California superintendent of public education. Their opponents were Buckley, Milton Friedman, and Thomas Sowell. The debate can be streamed on YouTube, and regardless of which side the viewer thinks prevailed, the reality is the education policy in 2022 continues to favor the traditional public education model. It's hard to hold school choice proponents responsible for the problems that continue to plague K-12 through 12 schooling. Shanker at least understood that the unions that control the education status quo, taxpayers an explanation of its shortcomings. And he was willing to make his case publicly. Weingarten behaves as though her debating her detractors is beneath her. So, as I mentioned, if Mike Pompeo is trying to gain traction for his bid, and he will be a candidate. First in his class at West Point, director of the CIA, secretary of state, Harvard Law grad, certainly qualified to be president. If he's trying to win me over by going after Randy Weingarten, He's doing a very effective job because finally, that is, and Ashley Kalis tried to make education her big issue against Governor McKee. But she didn't go far enough, and there were plenty of targets there that she could have. It was just all over the place, and again, I'm not trying to pick on her, but I think there was an opening there. But you, you can't just say, I'm going to make education my platform. You have to then really break it down. And either she didn't know or wasn't willing to do it. That's what I believe happened. Folks, this portion of the John DiPietro Show is brought by the Lodge Pub and Eatery. Since 1994, how about that? Big anniversary coming up. A little over a year. Unique rustic study. Setting full bar, large dining area. Plus, they got the deck and the nice weather. The lodge, pub, and eatery. If you're on 146 right now, boom! Take the Breakneck Hill Road exit, and you're there. The lodge, pub, and eatery. So, the big local story is this showdown that's going on with Governor McKee and the these individuals that are sleeping out at the State House. I'm also seeing, according to Forbes, Elon Musk. Is losing the title of the world's richest man. Briefly lose his title as world's richest person. To, who did he lose it to? Steep drop in his value. In his $44 million bet on Twitter. Bernard Arnault. The chief executive luxury brand Louis Vuitton. Have taken the title. But we're back at number two with a personal wealth of 185 Billion. Musk took over the title from Jeff Bezos. Tesla shares, which have lost more than forty percent value since he made his offer to buy Twitter, were down two point seven percent. Musk' net worth dropped below two hundred billion on November eighth as investors dumped Tesla shares. On worry, the top executive, largest shareholder, is more preoccupied with Twitter. Tesla's lost nearly half its market value, and Musk's net worth has dropped by 70 billion since he bid for Twitter in April. <laughs> he closed the deal for Twitter in October with $13 billion in loans and a $33 billion equity commitment. Besides Tesla, Musk also heads rocket company SpaceX. Neuralink, a startup that's developing ultra-high-bandwidth brain-machine interfaces to connect the human brain to computers. So, um, it, it's it's beyond too much money to actually even comprehend. But, um, now just looking at some other headlines. Putin says threat of nuclear war rising. Driverless Ubers roll out in Vegas. Hmm. Legendary New York City comedy club to close. That'd be Caroline's? Yep. Caroline's on Broadway will close at the end of the year. Not renew the venue's lease. Hmm. Um, I, again, the lease is up. I can't even imagine what the lease is in around Times Square. New York just continues. Hey, one thing, folks, that I don't see a lot in the news LA's full blown corona surge. Well, the the virus covid does seem to be everywhere but and it is still harming people and people in the hospital but there's just more people now that get it and then because they have the vaccine they're fine so so there's that but the big local story is in fact these this new showdown regarding Governor McKee and the homeless advocates, because that's really what it's about. It's, I believe, it's less about the, quote, homeless and more about the homeless advocates. Now two other quick reminders, one, remember, if you have an appliance that's not working properly, a washing machine, a dryer, refrigerator, stove, oven, Ryan's Appliance Repair. If your appliance is dying, just call Ryan. Saturday appointments are available, and all work is guaranteed, plus senior citizens discounts. Ryan's Appliance Repair, 401-710-7096. 401-710-7096 for Ryan's Appliance Repair. Whatever that appliance may be, dial 401-710-7096. You can also find them on Facebook. And then also, if you have a pest problem, remember Falcon Pest Services, 401-739-1322. Residential or commercial. Maybe it's a one-time. Maybe it's monthly. Maybe it's quarterly. Maybe it's yearly. Falcon Pest Control, Falcon Pest Services, 401-739-1322. Whether it's a home or a business or a restaurant, office building, 401, free quote, 739-1322. Well, folks, it's one fifty nine tonight on Facebook. We're going to be doing Cranston PD Live, where I go along with the Cranston Police. That should be starting right around 6 o'clock. We're back on the radio tomorrow at 11. Stay tuned for... The 2 o'clock news, and again, the big local news of the day. Obviously, the mayor back in power in Woonsocket, and then also this homeless advocate showdown at the statehouse. Enjoy this Wednesday. Stay tuned for the 2 o'clock news.
4: WNRI, Woonsocket.